Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Welcome back, Stan fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good. Have you made your stand yet? No, I gotta wait till episode nine. On this podcast episode, we are specifically talking about CBS All Access, CBS All Accesses, <laughs> brand new rendition of Stephen King's The Stand. And on this episode, we will be talking about The Stand's episode four. And also, as a heads up to you listeners, if you have not watched The Stand episode four, heads up because we will be covering spoilers. Enough is enough. Let's get into The Stand episode four. The House of the Dead. This episode was directed by Bridget Savage and Danielle Crudy, written by Jill Killington, Owen King, and Ben Cavill and Eric Dickinson. It was released on January 7th with a runtime of 59 minutes. Now, the official synopsis for this episode, The House of the Dead, The Boulder Free Zone Committee looks to solidify their leadership and bolster the community with a town hall meeting. But Flag continues to make inroads as he plots to destroy the newly forming society from within. You know, we've got, uh, I I feel like, a very big scene that is coming up in present day for this episode. And that's where Stu, Franny, Glenn, Nick, and Larry are voted permanent leaders for this community. Now, this is a massive scene, not only in the original miniseries that appeared on ABC, but also in the book. So the group appoints a city watch to patrol the town. Meanwhile, Nadine sexually hypnotizes Harold in order to get him to kill Mother Abigail and Stu and the gang. She's, of course, in cahoots with the walking dude, uh, the dark man, or otherwise known as Randall Flagg. The city, the council rather, secretly decides to send three spies to Vegas. Dana, Judge Ferris, and Tom Colon are chosen. Chosen. My goodness. I, I'm just like, I'm freaking messing this up. They're, uh, Tom Colon are chosen. Harold and Nadine sneak into the town's ski patrol supply room to steal explosives. And the episode ends with Nadine shooting and killing Teddy. So, um, that's kind of the first act that we've seen so far that Nadine has like violently acted out um, as well as like Harold, because in this episode we have a flashback, one of the flashbacks that includes um, the past of Harold. Yeah. The flashbacks um, we didn't get a lot in this episode. We have Harold telling Franny that he loves her and uh, she's not into it. She breaks his heart. We have Harold and Franny being stopped by and abducted by a trucker in one of the most disturbing scenes so far of the series. 
Uh, I think this guy wants to use him as some sort of sex slave. It's a little different than the book. Uh, Stu and Glenn arrive and help save the day. And that's when we're introduced to Dana, who, as you said, is chosen to be a spy to go to Vegas. And then the other big flashback involves uh, Nick and Tom, and they meet a woman named Julie Laurie. Uh, They realize she's crazy and escape. And then Tom and Nick eventually travel and meet Mother Abigail at a nursing home. Another switch from the book. What's crazy is seeing there that Mother Abigail is just sitting in the chair and she's surrounded by like four dead people that she just put like doilies over their faces. Like her little friend, she's still talking with them. (laughs) She's uh, what she said something about like she's running low on medicine or it's not long before she's she taps out. As you mentioned, we've uh, got some new characters. Uh, Julie uh, Lowry, played by Catherine McNamara. Dana Jurgens, played by Natalie Martinez. And Judge Harris, played by Gabriel Rose. And sadly, notably absent, is Randall Flagg. Interesting move, right? Yeah, I'm, especially after we talked about this um, previously in terms of showing Randall Flagg and as much as what they've shown him. I mean, it's been in with the other episodes that have followed kind of um, sporadic and we've only seen a little bit of him, but we've seen enough to get a good sense of how Skarsgård is handling uh, Randall Flagg overall. So after uh, going through all of that, how are you feeling about this show after watching episode four? This Could be a bold statement here. But I think this series might finally be living up to its potential. I liked episode four a lot. I did too. I, you know, have to say that um, we'll get into this in just a little bit. But so far, this episode is my favorite. It, you know, as we mentioned before, it seems some restraint in terms of just going off the deep end. With its uh, vulgarity, um, once again, it's not. I'm I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but whenever uh, certain characters seem to be almost not just sounding the same, but kind of acting out of character, um, it seems a little off-putting. This did not seem that way at all. Um, it was very good overall. Uh, there are a few issues uh, that I still have with it, but um, yeah, I, I like this. Yeah, I think it's kind of clear at this point, four episodes in that. This is basically like the Cliff Notes version of the stand because mm. everything feels so rushed along. But because we're, I think maybe this episode in particular is not hinging too hard on flashbacks. I think this one kind of finds its groove. And again, it had this, I think in the third episode when the the core group is together and they're making decisions. And I think that's kind of when this show is uh, moving at full speed. And I think mm. this is, like you said, Restrained in a way, and it's the strongest written episode, I think, of the season so far. I really hope that in the end we come to find out that that was thanks to Owen King. I think he's helping out because hasn't he been involved writing-wise from episode three on? Yeah. And there's three other, as you said, three other people listed in the credit. So this is obviously a group effort, but maybe I, I do wonder who who is leading this from this, this point on because the past two episodes feel so different from that the first two episodes that mm-hmm. Josh Boone was so heavily involved in. Now let's talk about what you liked specifically about the House of the Dead. 
flashbacks are at a minimum in this episode. Everything's kind of moving forward. I think I just like the story threads in this episode. We set up the Nadine Harold stuff, which is rushed along. It's just, it's so strange because everything seems so rushed along in terms of he just, she just like goes to his house and meets him. But I like that it sets up the whole going after Stu and the gang group. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing that's really rushed in the episode, and it sounds like I'm just trashing it, is we're suddenly sending spies out, but it also sets up some of the most exciting stuff of the story by doing so. Yeah, that's the, I think, kind of the hope at the end of this episode that I was left with in terms of I'm ready to get to that stuff because obviously watching the OG miniseries, it was... um from what I can remember, it was some of the best stuff. And from here on out, I feel like it should get really good. But I also have to kind of relate to uh, what you had said previously on our other episode in terms of if this were broken down into like eight episodes for the beginning, like pre-stand, and then eight episodes of them making the stand. That would be really cool. I feel like, you know, there are a couple of things that, I'd like to see a little bit more of, but in terms of what you said, especially this ensemble, uh, working with this group, spending time with this council, that's really great, especially whenever we literally follow this. This is the episode that is followed up from when we met Glenn and Glenn's talking about, oh, screw society. Who needs to end up building that? Why don't we just lie low and let basically life fizzle out? I thought that was really interesting as a uh, contrast to the last episode. Uh, of this show and what he said to Stu. Having this of these spies, I'm really excited to see what's next. Um, But at the same time, I'm also kind of worried. So I'm optimistically, I'm I'm reluctantly optimistic, I should say. Um, But yeah, what you said in terms of what you like, that's, I would have to agree for, for that as well. Now, what about what doesn't work? The fact that it feels so rushed. Mm -hmm. The whole structure of this series is baffling to me in terms of why are they doing it this way? This is the show that you you want flushed out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Something doesn't feel right with every episode because of it, but there's enough going on that it's still, I think, entertaining. And then again, having read the book, I'm able to kind of piece together what's happening. I do know for a fact there are people watching this show that don't know it's a Stephen King book because I heard somebody mm. at work explaining it to a coworker. <laughs> just like, this is the concept of this brand new show on CBS All Access. Have you heard of it? And I just wonder what those people are thinking coming mm. into this so fresh. How are you watching this and comprehending everything you're seeing? That also really upsets me that they did not realize this was a Stephen King story. When we have like the 15 second title card at the beginning and it just, you know, kind of spell starts spelling out the stand. Does it say Stephen King's the stand or is it just the stand? It just says the stand. That's interesting, right? That's weird. Yeah, it's where it shifts and to the font with the, the opening, the opening graphic it, 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 graphic. It's really strange how it turns from the stand and it spells that out and i can't quite figure out if i like that i mean that's being like super minor but in the grand scheme of things it's whatever like i'll pass but it's i dig it it's it's interesting um 
it's kind of like the lost thing. You know, the lost thing always seemed yeah. kind of cheap to me, but by mid season one, I, I'm all in on that. I love that. And you there's <laughs> whatever the the music, the 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 Nat sound that they use for it, it's just it just fit the show. Yeah, I just love how simple Lost was. And no joke, there were times that I would wake up dreaming that. So maybe by the end of this, I would wake up from a dream where I'm like seeing that in my mind while I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. The structure, it just seems like with the stand, there's just so much that they can tell in a story. And this is going to sound um, more negative than what I'm intending for it to be, but there's no need to do this back and forth with these timelines to convolute a story whenever it's this, when you have so much to work with, because I feel like you could do that with something that requires that, but not this. And it just seems like kind of a gimmick for making the stand different. And there's a lot of ways they could, that Josh Boone can make this show different and refresh it to today. But at the same time, I feel like at the same, with being both of us being Stephen King fans, I'm biased, but the story and it all holds up. Granted, I have not read the book, but like now more than ever, this is super realistic <laughs> and scary to be watching something like that currently. I mean, I was just going to say with the, just think with the three spies going to Vegas, that is such a huge thing to ask a person to go do in the scheme of this story. Uh, and then Judge Ferris and Dana, we have spent, and even Tom, mostly, we haven't spent any time with them. So the yeah. the asking them to do that doesn't mean as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, that, don't know, I don't care about her. Like if she dies in Vegas, oh, well. Yeah. And, th and that's the other thing that after just meeting her with this trucker and whenever Harold and Franny come across uh, her and this other lady, it's like, okay, this, I mean, not to take anything away from that, that was awful, but at the same time, it's like, that's all we know about her. And we don't know anything about Judge Harris. And Tom is the most of these three of the, the most developed, but even then it's very minor on top of that. And I mean, especially the Tom and Nick stuff was some of my favorite stuff in the original miniseries. So yeah, I totally agree. It, it it was frustrating. And that's what I feel like the flashbacks actually took away from this. Whereas if we were to build up to it, there's plenty of time. There's no need to jump around. We spend time with these characters to grow for like how we feel for them. Let's cover the episode letter grade. I'll, I'll give it a B. Yeah, I, I like it too, but at the same time, it, it I felt more frustrations. B's a, that's a pretty solid score for it. I, I have to go B minus just a little below that. I can't quite give it a C plus because there are a lot of things I liked, but this is when I started to really feel frustrations for this structure of the show. Speaking of the series so far, let's talk about the series letter grade up to this point. It's starting to seem like it's miss potential there's so many good things about it but it's just not done right so i'm going to say c plus at the moment i guess in think that. all the pieces are there man they could have told this story yeah chronologically and and a lot of this stuff would hit a whole lot harder mm -hmm. it's right there it's it, everything's given to you it's it was a book <laughs> you just adapt it <laughs> properly i'd say average i should probably come up with c plus i'm going b minus i'm going to stick with b minus just because 
I feel like this, um, you know, started bringing up from the last two episodes. It's just like you said, I think maybe there's that optimism that I'm feeling. It's going to, from this point forward, start to rule. Let's hope so. Let's go with character power rankings. Who do you have at number one as your favorite character? This is going to be kind of strange because we haven't spent barely any time with them, but Tom Colin freaking rules in this. Tom's awesome. I, I, you know, I, I, I like Tom. Um, I have to go with Nick because there's a lot of potential there with Nick. Um, so far, I am. I go back and forth with Nick, but I there's. I'm hoping that there's going to be even more that we get to spend with him and also seeing his journey with Tom. Now, it, hey, let's, can I can I say one thing real quick though? Yeah. The the sneaky MVP, the sneaky heart and soul of the show, is uh, Greg Kinnear as Glenn. I mean, he's <laughs> he's like amazing. You know, I was leading into this. I was expecting him to be my, my MVP because I remember um, that character being my favorite uh, before watching this show and and going into this knowing that he was. I would I would say he may be my favorite character of the series, but. Um, yeah, I think when it's all said and done, he he might be that number one for me. Uh, Greg Greg is awesome, Mister Greg CBS All Access Kinnear. I was um, just vaping too. Something he didn't do in the book, obviously <laughs> that wasn't a thing. But he's just like, you think he's vaping marijuana or is he doing tobacco? Oh, it's I I'm I feel like he's sure a stoner. It's, yeah, it's for sure got to be CBD oil. Oh. <laughs> um. Now talking about you said Tom, I feel like right now. Thus far, Tom to me feels like the most underdeveloped of those characters. I like what we're getting, but I also feel like there's so much more that we could be seeing with Tom, and therefore there's kind of that frustration that I that I've got. Do you do you feel that way about any uh, specific character who's the most underdeveloped at this time? My pick would be Mother Abigail because. This is a story where a bulk of the characters head somewhere because of visions from someone. Mm -hmm. And they've all done that in the story so far. And we have spent maybe, maybe five minutes with this character. We're going to have to get like a, a whoopee centric episode, right? Where it's all about Mother <laughs> yeah. Abigail. Cause some, mm -hmm. we don't spend any time with this person. That's a really good point because thinking about Mother Abigail and seeing, knowing that, I mean, we're spending the first part of this story with the survivors going to see her it does seem a little underbaked for sure so oh man that that's a really good pick man this is tough because i feel like everyone that's on the council and the spies it just a lot of them i i'm just wanting to see more of so yeah you could argue literally every single character <laughs> yeah. needs more time um, but more specifically, if we had to narrow this down, like my top two, I'd have to go for sure with Nick and Tom. Now, major changes, you were talking about Mother Abigail. Anything else outside of that, that changes big time from the book to this series? Yeah, you know, um, Nadine never shoots and kills anybody in the book. Uh, oh. Teddy dies in a different way. Uh, she, she's having Harold do her work for her. It makes this character a little more... It almost like pushes her forward where I feel like of all the characters, now that you mention that, Nadine is kind of the one who has shown the most growth. Because when we see her originally, 
with if you go in chronological order when she meets larry she's still very kind of timid with little joe but then when they arrive in boulder then she's still kind of shy she's staying to herself but now not only in appearance does she change but what like how she handles herself i kind of wonder if we're going to show see more and more of this progression of her just kind of not going to say going off the deep end but just getting more intense with her pursuit of flag and then what she's willing to do to end up getting to flag yeah i think she's going to be more hands-on in this version anything else any big changes nothing too drastic there's changes with the mother like how nick and tom find mother abigail she's she's living on a farm in hemingford home nebraska when they originally find her in the book so this is different having her in this old folks home by herself Mm. with these dead bodies uh the stuff with Julie, the, her introduction is a little bit different in the book. Nothing too wild and crazy. Um, and then that, so that character is somebody that comes back and has a kind of an impact on on uh, the future of some of these characters. All right. Yeah, that's, I forgot about that. Because when she pops up originally, I thought she's, from what I can remember, someone who, uh, and I don't know if I should say, but she does... Uh, have a major uh, <laughs> impact on Tom. Let's talk about that about the Easter eggs. There's a big one. We spent probably like half of a scene staring at this Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, it's Stephen King featured in a, featured on a Hemingford Home bus advertisement. Did, that was did, the only uh, Easter egg I noticed in this episode too. I'm sure there's plenty more, but. Yeah, yeah, that's the only one that I I noticed as well. Did you love that? Whenever we just like focus on Stephen King and Main for Home, where I like the I like the first shot, and then we go to shot like we take the shot again, and they hold it for about fifteen seconds. I was like, <laughs> we get it. Anybody watching this knows that's Stephen King. <laughs> I guess unless you're the person that works with me that does not know that he wrote this. But even then, they're like, who is that? It's just like, like, why are they showing this old guy? <laughs> it's sad, like, though, to think that he's in a uh, old folks' home. I, I Actually, that did. I'm like, oh, it's Stephen King. And then the second time they cut back to it, it made me sad because I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, here's this guy that I spent pretty much my entire life, not going to say idolizing, but where I'm like thinking he's such a, a great writer. And then he's like in this marketing ad for seeing you know this retirement home for and i'm just i'm just like it kind of made me sad for a second so random thoughts for this episode so we counted or i should say we predicted the f-bombs for episode four you said 25 i said 17 it's actually only four which is insane we also made one other prediction and we just guessed, when are we going to see Trash Can Man? I said this episode, and that didn't happen. You said episode five, so it's still possible. Now, You still think it's going to happen next episode? I do. Do you, do you think that is the case? I was going to switch it to episode. I, I think we'll, we're going to wait two more, so episode six. Oh, wow. You know, one prediction, too, that we have about Trash Can Man is he's, he's just going to be this vile human being. And he's going to be, what did uh, Larry and Heather Graham's character call? Um, was it the Yankee Yanker or something like that? 
I, I think we're going to be shocked at what he does in this and how he behaves. I'm worried. I'm 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 literally worried about that because that could be. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see. I, you know, when you first sent me the image of Ezra, the very first image that came out got me excited. Now this new image looks great, but it also brings up, uh, you bring up a really good point that he could just be, um, going off the rails with this. I mean, the image is him watching an explosion off in the distance and it literally looks like he's yanking his peen. <laughs> And it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they do. They they already talked about what Ezra does is just, they just let him do whatever. And he's just like out of control. With Nadine, it makes me wonder if she and Trash Can Man, because I can't remember if they actually meet before Vegas, but it makes me wonder if they will connect in some way. And if they do, if that's going to make Harold really mad or if that's going like there'll be like some kind of weird lovers quarrel there or in not the, in, in this you think yeah might, yeah I doubt it trash can means his own little thing and it's I don't I don't think he's going to have much interaction again he's so crucial to the end of this story mm -hmm. and uh, I just wonder how much of it they're going to change is in the book is trash can man really um, over the top with saying things that are just like really vulgar or not really? No, not really. He's just like this really abused character by a lot of people. So he's kind of tragic in that regard. Is he deranged? He's like just straight up deranged, right? For various reasons. Uh, because, unpleasant reasons. <laughs> is that, I just remember he was more or less just fascinated and hypnotized by freaking blowing things up all the time. Yeah, he was he was a little bad boy. Um, I mean, just a couple of random things I thought. I, I love that Teddy, I mean, rest in peace, Teddy. Last episode, he goes out with a bang. It's a good one. Yeah. But he at one point snags a Blu-ray copy of Skyscraper. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I just like the idea that he hopes the rocks survive the outbreak. I think that's really <laughs> funny. Um, just searching around on the on the internet, on the webs, for uh, stand Easter eggs, I came across somebody who is in fact re-editing the series right now. So oh. It's already happening. We we guessed, I think we talked about that last podcast, like, will it happen? It's already happening. And then I just thought of this, um, do you want to make a prediction on if Kojak will get a flashback of any kind? Because Kojak does have a flashback in the stand book. Really? Now, I was going to say, he was my, of this last episode another character who I would want more of. And we just didn't like get any Kojak. I love it because I like when King writes from the perspective of a dog. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Kojak's I, name is not Kojak, which I think is funny too. <laughs> I, you know, with speaking about that, I really hope that we do end up getting that flashback. Is there a lot of time that's spent with Kojak, by the way? I mean, I don't know. The book is 1,200 pages. I don't know how much time is spent on Kojak. <laughs> I just remember we learn about Kojak. Like, it's an actual thing. That's awesome. I mean, I hope we get it. I'm going He's to say... from New Hampshire. He's a doggy from New Hampshire. <laughs> I'm going to say, no, we won't end up getting that, but I, I, I hope we do. You know, we're not getting a lot of these characters fleshed out, so why would we do the dog? So I'll say no, too, but it would be fun. Especially for 
May, oh man, maybe that'll be toward the very end. And just to kind of lighten the mood, we'll end up getting Kojak, more Kojak. I mean, because we never really got Glenn flashback, right? No. Because that's that's kind of when we would get it. I, I really think that we won't get a Glenn flashback at this point. At this point, no, I don't think we will. And I don't think we should. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I feel like we're now to this point where... At one time, I wanted to see what all they were up to before this, but now it's like, eh, I mean, unless it directly affects what's happening now, I don't really see a need in it. So watch, what we're going to do is jump forward in time, and then we're, we'll go to Vegas, and then we'll get like a freaking Randall Flag flashback. I never mentioned this. In the first episode, we kind of learned how the virus escapes, and as the door is closing at, you know, whatever that government building is, it's stopped and it's Flag's foot that is holding it open to allow that guy to escape into mm-hmm. the world and spread Captain Trips. And I, I never said this, but I don't like that because I like my idea of what Randall Flag is, is he's the walking dude. He's literally just walking around and he's not starting the trouble. He's waiting for it to happen and then taking advantage of it to cause mayhem. I don't really like the idea that he sets everything off. Yeah. He's just there to capitalize on just like the awful stuff happening in the world. Right. Yeah. And that's, this, he's, he's a direct catalyst for the outbreak. And it's interesting because in King's works, Randall Flagg is more or less known as, um, I mean, he's, he's had many different names. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil certain things. So that's why I'm kind of stumbling over what I'm trying to say, but in a lot of different novels, King has flagged more or less be this entity that represents evil. Uh, mm-hmm. wh- whether it be like Satan or whatever you want to say, it's just this overall evil. And I found that to be interesting because it's almost like um, Boone wanted to incorporate King's other works like maybe tie in the Dark Tower series. Um, I won't say how it really tied into that, but it, it makes me wonder if he, with creating the stand, it's like, I want to do the Dark Tower series. So maybe by him doing that one little subtle shot that we kind of set the stage for that. Um that was my first thought when we saw that. But then again, I've really gone back and forth thinking, now oh, maybe he's sh- he did that to make it seem like Randall Flagg's really the one who let it out. The more I think about that, though, the more that I do have a problem with that shot. Because it's like what you said. Flagg's the one who causes chaos, but yet if really this guy uh, stayed there and the door was not just malfunctioning on its own, um, then it's like evil set all of this off. I like the idea of like, man, literally the one guy had a choice to stay or go, but he was not really pushed forward by Randall Flagg. I like the idea of, you know, him doing that on his own by no other help outside of good or evil. It's a little Um, more natural. Yeah. So... I mean, it's like, eh, it's whatever, but I wish that's the one thing that we removed. Like, just remove the whole boot thing, and I'd be okay with it. 
Let's now talk about episode five predictions. Episode five is Suspicious Minds. Um, it's got to be a reference to Elvis and possibly Vegas. I mean, maybe. Do you think mm. that that's kind of where I'm going with this? Uh, so episode five predictions. Let's start off with F-Bomb City. How many F-Bombs? There's a reason I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say, hmm, let's do 18. Oh, I think so we're going back up. Yeah, I, I think we're going to shoot way up. There's I, a reason why. And you okay. kind of said it. I, my, my big bold prediction, this is going to, this is going to be focusing hard on Vegas mm-hmm. and this is going to be all Vegas. And with that being the case, I'm going up even more than what I did last week. I have to say 25. Well, you did 25 <laughs> last week. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I was. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, but with this, you I want to stay at 25. Yeah, you can. I'll stay at 25. I just have I have a feeling that this episode will be Vegas centric and we will just we will see nonstop insanity uh, throughout this entire episode. And I mean, this Tom- one could easily top 25 if it's in Vegas. <laughs> and poor Tom Cullen and uh, Judge Harris and Dana are thrown in the middle of this. You know, I didn't think about this. If this goes all Vegas, do you think we're going to meet those characters? It's going to happen that quickly? Or we're going to have some time alone in Vegas and then episode six is when maybe those people arrive? Because we have to establish Vegas and the rules of Vegas and what's going on in Vegas and the characters of Vegas. I feel like before the uh, spies show up. Yeah, um, I'm, I I really hope we we do get to establish that. And if that's the case, this will be the Randall Flag episode. And if with that, that's also a reason why I thought maybe since he was absent from the last episode that he'll be filled in this episode. I really hope that it is just a standalone episode before the characters show up. We ended up seeing how this last episode, House of the Dead, what it started and there's basically a present day and then it flashed back to the night of the council, you know, and then it was going back and forth telling that story. So I kind of wonder, my prediction now is for the structure of Suspicious Minds episode five is going to be us with the spies in Vegas and then we will flash back before they were there. And then it's hmm. showing Vegas and how that looks. And then at the end, it will episode five will end with a character. Um, I think most likely Julie coming back already, and she's suspicious of Tom Cullen and why he's there. And she'll be like, Well, where's Nick? That's that I think that'll be like the big cliffhanger for this episode. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. We're moving at the speed of light. <laughs> I know. I know that's like rapid pace, but with the episode title the way that it is, and um, I, I just, I have a feeling that will be the structure. Once again, I, I hope I'm wrong. Though, <laughs> does CBS do they do previews for each episode? Because I haven't seen, I haven't been watching those. If they do, and I, I just wondered if they have a preview for episode five. No, sadly not. Like this is not a. Um, because like when we covered Twilight Zone, there was always a teaser uh, for the first season and second season all came out, but it was only online. But I'm not finding any 
previews of the stand. I'm not finding any extras. And it makes me wonder why they're doing that. I have a question too. We keep seeing in a lot of these um, visions of Mother Abigail, she's in a cornfield, but she's in an old folks home. Well, I don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where I think they messed up big time because they should have kept her in Nebraska. Because there's this whole backstory of her life on this farm. and It looks cool, but it's set up very strange. And in this, I think it is another error on the behalf of Mr. Josh Boone. I mean, maybe she lived at the farm prior to moving to the nursing home, and that's why we're getting those visions. Yeah, that's a good point. So if that is the case, then maybe we will get a flashback to Mother Abigail. I bet we do. Oh, I hope so. You can so. almost do an episode. It's it's uh, Randall Flag and then Mother Abigail, and those are the two flashbacks. Oh. That that would be good. That would be really good. Well, that's, uh, that's going to cover it for this episode of Quality Check Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we will continue the stand discussion every single week. So join us. Uh, and until next time, keep watching. Thank you.